Welcome to Hotspot. I'm your host, Gabriel Moncow. Today joining me, as he always does at the top right, is Philip Tran, my trusty co-host. At the bottom left, we have Savannah Cardenas, a BU class of 21, UPE president and a previous Microsoft intern. And at the bottom right, we have Melissa Lopez, also BU class of 21, UPE current vice president and previously an intern at DreamWorks Animation. How are you guys doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Today's, uh, this week's been kind of wild with class stuff, but uh, I'm glad we can take time to sit down and talk about other stuff for a change. So, yeah, actually, I'm kind of so ready to move on to other things, but uh, the semester oh, just yeah. seems to be dragging out, doesn't it? It feels like it's a never-ending cycle. Honestly, I'm just glad to get finals done with soonish. I mean, I already got one of my, my classes out of the way, which is my Kilishan seminar because I'm in the Honors College. And it was uh, basically gr getting grilled for 90 seconds. It's like for short oh, answers. Oh, yeah. It was not fun. but I survived. So like this podcast, but this is longer, basically. Yeah, this is getting... Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the grilling here. I'm, gr I'm grilling nice. for over an hour. Wow, professional griller out here. Anyway, uh, this episode's a bit different from what we usually do. It's a bit less focused on technicals and like an overarching idea, and it's more abstract. Uh, we wanted to talk more about networking and sort of soft skills uh, in the tech industry. And I mean, you you guys have plenty of experience in all this. As I mentioned, you've interned in multiple um, different places and I mean, clearly high ranking officials in a uh, comp sci society. So I guess we got to just start there, right? Uh, do you guys want to just sort of take us through your experience? How did you guys get started in the world of tech and sort of work your way up? either one? Yeah. So for me, um, I just like going into college, I didn't really have much tech experience. So I just like went into college knowing that I wanted to major in computer science. And from there, you know, just taking computer science classes and um, I applied to Microsoft, uh, Microsoft internship my freshman year. Um, I somehow got it. So I interned there for my first summer. And then um, just from there, I kept, you know, you know, getting like a return, like interviewing and then getting a return offer. Um, and so from there, I've pretty much stuck with Microsoft up until this point. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my journey so far. And then as that's uh, as far as industry, um, and for academics, I mean, just completing CS courses here, doing side projects here and there, um, getting involved with some more technical CS courses where it's a lot more self-driven and, you know, doing your own projects, um, and then, you know, just getting involved with things like UPE and even taking a leadership position just to get more familiar with things and be more involved. Yeah, so I'm similar to Sav as well. Um, going into college, I knew I wanted to do something like related to math, but I didn't really know exactly what it was at first. But I've always like really loved animation movies ever since I was a kid and even like as in high school, I still love them. I would go to see like any of like the Disney or Pixar, just like those big companies, uh, their movies, uh, come, I would go and see them like right when they came out. So I was like, I know I want to do something involved with that, but I'm not sure if I'm definitely not like super artsy or not that good. So I was like, okay, like I'll study computer science and like learn the technical side. So I came into BU as a comp sci major and yeah, like, uh, the intro course, it was like my first time ever coding or like seeing any computer science stuff. And then from there, yeah, I just took on the courses. Um, I didn't apply to any internships for my freshman summer, but sophomore year, I started applying and I really 
narrowed it down to companies that I would want to work for. So of course, like once like Disney's like software engineering uh, applications came out or, you know, like Pixar and then of course DreamWorks uh, came out. So um, I just, I, I mean, I just applied and then I remember I didn't hear back for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, like really close to the holidays, like I heard back, I interviewed, I got in and I worked at the, research and development department at DreamWorks and they don't take like too many software developer interns more like film but I still had a really good time because it was really cool seeing how all the technology behind like all the movies work and seeing how like even though people might think you're doing like designing characters or doing that kind of tech we're still doing like full-on software engineering uh development and yeah then I just my team offered me a return offer at the very end of my first internship and I decided to go back. And yeah, similar to Savannah, it's just uh, getting involved with like classes that are more uh, project-based, not just uh, theory-based. Those are my favorite because then we actually get to develop a little more. Um, going to hackathons is really, really great. I think like freshman, sophomore year, I would go to different hackathons like at other universities. Like Harvard is really easy because it's just here in Cambridge, but you know, going to like Yale and Brown and just, it's pretty fun and you get to experience and learn new things and meet new people. And yeah, being part of UP really exposes, exposes you to like different people, different opportunities, and you just get to learn more from the whole community. I think, I mean, clearly you guys have had tons of different experiences and the ways you both got started seem actually rather different, uh, like sort of different inspirations, but you ended up at, in similar places. Right. Um, so I guess that's, that's one thing that we talk about. We've mentioned your sort of goals and like things that you've, you've hoped to get involved with. And a lot of them clearly you have, are there any sort of role models or like inspirations that you sort of had getting started? Like something where you were like, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to uh, aspire to be, um, or a company or either a company, company person or a product, a program, anything like that. Um, for me, like there's not many I, I guess so like I'm uh, Mexican and of course being a female in tech is already a lot and then just also being a Hispanic in technology is just there's even less of us so there's not many role models that are like me um, and so I guess I can honestly say that I didn't really have a role model until like in the tech industry I didn't really have a role model in the tech industry um, until I actually got to Microsoft. And in my first internship with Microsoft, um, one of our like our main leads of the whole internship program, her name is v Vanessa. And she is Puerto Rican. She's just this amazing woman. She's a very, she's up, up top in the um, just very high position. And, you know, since then, she's moved up the ranking um, in the past three years. Um, but Right now, her current role is the core vi a core vi vice president. Um, and so to me, she became one of my role models because I actually had the opportunity to get to know her a lot better on a personal level. Um, and especially being that she was also a Latina in tech was just super motivating. And she was also just super supportive in anything I like doubted myself about or had any questions about. And she would just tell us about her journey. And some things are like things that I've encountered. And so just that enough was like for me to, you know, be inspired. And even to this point, I still keep in contact with her. Um, and yeah, so she's, she's definitely become my role model. And, you know, uh, 
inspires me that it's it's possible to you know work up the ladder in a, a super large tech company. Yeah, I'm for me it's also kind of the same as Savannah because I'm also Mexican and you know yeah just like being a woman in tech and and also Hispanic you don't really see a lot of people in the industry that are a lot like us so they're to be honest there also isn't like a specific person I had in mind before my internship but during my first internship it was actually a PhD student who was like who was also an intern there she was a little older than me but she really inspired me because she kind of also came in with the same background of loving films and animated movies didn't really have a lot of technological uh skills in the past um she studied astronomy when for her undergrad and like just learned cs for her phd but she was still doing amazing things she was on one of like the hardest teams to get on at DreamWorks, where she was working basically on like a lot of the software like the artists are using and she inspired me because before like during my internship I found myself being very scared to ask what I thought were dumb questions or I was scared to like go to these events that um don't really consist of interns it's not like a specific intern event it's like a company event that can be super intimidating because you don't no, like you're like, you're going to be surrounded by people who work at the company and you, even as an intern, they want to treat you like family and like everything, you still kind of feel a little scared. And she would always invite me to all these women in tech programs. I would go to her, to other companies, to go uh, meet other women and STEM. So she really inspired me because she just always went out there and she was also an international student. So she was kind of also a little bit of a minority. Like she wasn't really she didn't know a lot about like the American culture and stuff like that, but she didn't really let that stop her from just exploring and asking questions and just being more involved. And it inspired me to like get more involved and have that attitude going into my next internship. That's super interesting. I think a lot of the people, especially those sort of going into this, uh, these roles, the, the tech field have either have somebody that they look up to, or when they get started, they find people like you guys have. Um, and I think, so for example, I myself am Brazilian, so we have a lot of Latino and like Hispanic representation here. Um, I think it's always interesting to see how people's sort of mindset changes when they go into these fields, especially for people that might've come from different cultures like, like us, for example. Um, so what would you say your sort of thought process was when you got started in all this? I mean, some of you, you guys have mentioned that you might not really have known exactly what you wanted to do. You just had like some aspirations or some, uh, some things you found interesting, but what, what did you find intimidating or what surprised you at the start? And how do you think that sort of changed over the years as you've gotten more into it? Um, for me, what I was scared about is that I met a lot of people like in the introduction, like in the intro courses that were like, yeah, I already built this app. Yeah, I already have I, like I started coding since I was a freshman in high school and like we're like I was very intimidated that I was like, I'm not going to do well or like these people are definitely going to just do like be better than me or just like these like scary thoughts. But basically like to bring myself like I guess down or calm myself down I would be like you know what we're both here we're both in the same class we're both learning the new material so we're kind of both still on the same level even though they have a lot of experience so we're both like you know going to learn the same stuff at the end of the day um I think another thing is just finding good people and good friends like of course like Savannah and I met freshman year and it's really good because we both like understand that um you know, there's still not a lot of women in this industry and also like non-Hispanic and things that surprise me is that 
in the intro course, I thought it was fine because there's just a lot of people from different majors. But, you know, as we advance into upper level courses, you see like the number of women decreasing and especially like how small we are, like as a minority of like the entire population, like of the majors or of the course we're in. So I think it's just like, it's really important to not try to change yourself and adapt to like what everyone else is doing, but remind yourself like why you are different and like how your differences make you unique or make you stand out in that crowd. And just finding people that accept you for who you are also and like who support you because of your differences. Yeah, definitely. Just to add on to what Melissa was saying, I completely agree with everything. Um, And I think like just the biggest thing that many people face is imposter syndrome. And I definitely felt that. I know Melissa did, we all have. Um, And so that was kind of just the biggest thing to get over. It's just feeling like, okay, so many people are way ahead of me. Uh, People have all of these projects. My resume is like so much more bland compared to theirs. Um, And just it to, to fix that, it just, you have to build confidence in yourself. And even once I started, once I got into the industry, I still felt like that. Um, And especially being with like engineers who actually have had years of experience, I'd still be afraid to speak up and ask questions. Um, and, And that also can go along with like imposter syndrome, but throughout those experience, it's, it's helped me build my confidence. And I've also grown a thick skin, um, to not like be offended by what somebody says to me. In fact, like it just motivates me to prove them wrong. Um, I've definitely been in experiences in academics and in the industry where I've actually felt like somebody, something said, I'm like, "Mm, that's not right to say, but you know what, like whatever that's, you know, just move on and make that like motivate me. Um, and also to the point Melissa was saying, like having a good support system is such uh, a big thing that people often overlook. Like our, we have a friend group since freshman year and we have stuck together. In fact, we're doing projects together. We always do hackathons together and work through homework together. And so there's just so much that like, we can just be completely honest, talk things through with each other. And I think that's just like the biggest thing that has like helped all of us like get to where we are today. I think that's super interesting stuff. And I think that's actually really relatable to Philip and I as well. Uh, we're kind of on the other end of the spectrum in as much as like we're both freshmen, um, but we're sort of working up in a similar way, I guess. I mean, I've, I've only known this guy for what, like four months now, maybe. Uh, and we've already done tons of projects together. I mean, we're co-hosting two podcasts and and we're just doing stuff. And I think what's really interesting about that, I'll let you touch on this as well, Philip, because I'm sure you have some thoughts, but um our, our friend group is really diverse in that way as well. I mean, we have one guy, we've got like two web developers. I do more stuff with like game development and, and unity and stuff like that. We've got one guy who's like, wants to be a system administrator and runs servers. And he's, he's a Linux fanboy and make no money second episode and make <laughs> no money, but you know, it's cool. He gets flashing lights all around him all the time. Um, so it's just, I think that's something else interesting to note as well is the more you sort of expand your circle like that, the more you'll meet people who are really interesting in their own ways as well. Uh, I mean, I think that all of us are capable of, of really cool things on our own, but together we can do things that are like totally on another scale. Yeah, and you did um, see that with um, the hackathon we participated in, Boston Hacks. 
you guys built some great stuff. I wasn't there because I was busy doing some homework, but hey, I was there to support you behind the, uh, behind the fence. <laughs> I was there to support you behind the fence, you know. But yeah, it, it is yeah. amazing. You should, I think a lot of, it's something that people do overlook, um, having your own like sort of support system, a group of people that can help you out if you're stuck or even just do fun, insane projects with. Um, and another thing I'd like to touch upon is that imposter syndrome. I think it's like, such a universal experience for anybody like no matter your skill level you're always going to be like you always feel inadequate like i feel inadequate even though i went into uh bu with experience in programming and i'm like all right i kind of know what i'm doing so that like i should be able to you know kind of get through some of this stuff but it's always tougher than it seems um and you just got to realize that you know there's a lot of people that are in your position and you're all you know going through the same things you know you're, you're still learning the same stuff uh, experiencing the same stuff in college and uh, you're going to get to the same place eventually no matter where you start from for sure and i think i think a lot of people also don't realize that that sort of goes both ways i mean the the easiest example that i can come up with right now is like i am a freshman who is currently talking to the vice president and president of the society that i just barely got accepted into now, like that's kind of <laughs> sus not gonna lie um yeah. like if i let's it, vote it, out it, Gabe. It would, Honestly, I mean, a real possibility. So, it's the imposter. <laughs> it's the imposter. Um, so it's it's stuff like that. You can't you can't let um, sort of a difference in like in stature or experience or anything like that sort of stop you from trying things. Uh, otherwise, this podcast wouldn't exist, right? Um, exactly. So it's all about sort of taking those opportunities, I yeah. guess, and just rolling with them. Take risks, people. Um, mm -hmm. Honestly, like just applying to UPE was a really great experience. I was scared super hard for the technical interview, but I survived. Uh, even more excited when I got into UPA. Never thought that would happen, but hey, I'm here now. <laughs> and uh, we decided to take a big plunge, Gabe and I, with just starting a project uh, and a club that we just got into. <laughs> and hey, we're on our third episode, so that means we're doing something right. Exactly. They didn't give us much of a choice, to be fair. They did sort of <laughs> hold a gun to our heads and say, start a project, start a project. And then we started a project. But, well, you know, we did. Hey, hey it I worked out for the best. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we're, we're quite far, far along compared to other teams, honestly. Not to throw shade, but hey, <laughs> we're doing work. Just throw a little shade. Just throw a little um, shade. We've gotten so much done. That's and interesting, it though. Yeah, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't decide to take the plunge. And I think what you just mentioned um, about how we sort of got started in these projects and UPE and all that, that touches on a ton of stuff that I want to talk about as well. Um, I think the first being, we've talked quite a bit about how your guys' experience sort of built you up and, and you turned into who you are now. Um, now that you sort of have this different mindset, how do you sort of see the whole world differently? Like, for example, um, with UPE, I mean, clearly you guys are in um, pretty managerial positions. You're both pretty involved don't know how much you can talk about this stuff, but what do you look for in an applicant for UPE, for example? We've talked about these skills. We've talked about having this mindset and sort of being willing to take risks and, and trying new things and finding other people. So now that you have found yourself on the other side of the table, you're the one that's reviewing these applications. What do you look for and what, what really jumps out of you? Um, honestly, to start with that, um, I can talk about my own personal experience as an interviewee. I had applied to UPE I think my sophomore fall and I still didn't really have much technical experience. I had two intro CS courses um, and I actually did not get in. Um, so I didn't get into UPE and uh, the next semester I tried again, I interviewed and then I got in. Um, and so that kind of just like goes to show like I got rejected from UPE at one point and now like I'm in a, a high position. So 
again, like that, you should never be disencouraged by anything. You should just let it like try again, motivate you. Um, and now from this point, um, I've gone through about two or three sessions on the other end where I'm actually interviewing. And I guess like the biggest thing we can look for obviously is, you know, technical talent. Um, but we're not too, too, too heavy on that. We mostly just like to look for like potential, especially since we're, you know, interviewing freshmen, sophomores, we can't expect them to know how to solve every problem or, um, yeah, basically can't expect them to help for them to solve every problem, but we're looking to see how, how they get through it. If they can explain their answers, if they can, you know, admit to their, that they're confused or ask follow-up questions, like that's what it's all about. And that's honestly something that we've both grown to learn in the industry is that like, you know, when you're interviewing, you're not interviewing for, I mean, I guess for the most part, you're not interviewing against other people. You're just interviewing against yourself. It's your own performance in the interview and how well you can convey that you're trying and your effort. And, you know, we can see your problem solving skills. And I think that's one of the biggest things. And along with that, even just being able to like have a conversation and, you know, not just be super technical, um, super technically smart, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, just everything as a whole that we look for in candidates. Yeah. So I have done interviews like probably so many times now. So I've really like, uh, know exactly like personally what I look for. So there is like a, I guess, technical skills, like benchmark. I think like you do have to be able to solve certain problems or at least after a certain point, like we give you hint, we give you hints in the sense that like we encourage you to your to talk out loud your thought process. So that's really important to me because even if you can't solve it, but you're able to explain your different thought processes and it's kind of like to the level like we expect like a freshman or sophomore, then technique technical wise, it is fine. But I really like candidates with a lot of enthusiasm and who show like a passion and that will give back to UPE and really contribute because maybe there is someone who is, has a lot of technical experience, has, is like, you know, like maybe solved all the questions, correct. Like everything like really fast for an interview, but they, you know, like don't try to like interact with us or, for example, I'm trying to think. Yeah. Like just don't show any enthusiasm. And I don't see them like participating in UPE events that we host or when we're there, they're not going to be contributing to group projects or something like that. Then that, says a lot about them. And I know like from my personal experience about interviewing, I've been told that like enthusiasm and just like you're uh, showing like you're passionate about what you're interviewing for goes a long way because sometimes like that's like a major key point or major key difference between you and like a different candidate, like your level of enthusiasm. So I would say, yeah, like especially the most important thing is talking your way through the problem and seeing your thought process and just uh, trying to make sure you're in the person who is interviewing you or like the interviewer knows exactly what you're thinking throughout the entire process. 
Yeah, that's interesting. I think you were actually the one who interviewed me, uh, Melissa, when I applied for UP. I think so. I don't recall, but if I remember, all I remember from the interview is that there was a lot of back and forth that I wasn't quite ready for. Uh, it wasn't just sort of sit there, solve the problem. You don't solve it, you're out. It was really just, so what are you thinking? And why are you thinking that? Write it down. Show me your notes just because you can. Um, and I think that's really cool. You sort of get a glimpse into their brain, right? Yeah. And kind of like to add on, it's because that's super important because if you're silent during your interview and like you're thinking and maybe writing stuff down, it is fine to take pauses to think something through maybe before you speak it. But the problem with not saying anything is that maybe you're already really close. Like you are super close to the correct answer. You're just missing a key piece, but, and I can like maybe hint you towards it or guide you towards that correct answer. Say like, actually, like, because of this, you can think of it this way instead or something like that. But if you don't speak out loud, then I don't know how I can give you a hint or help you in that sense. And it just goes to show like how, yeah, like how far you are, like within the problem. So yeah. that's something else to consider as well. I think people are typically are really scared of the people on the other side of the table, the ones asking the question. They don't want you to fail, right? <laughs> like they want you to succeed. They want you to be a great candidate. They want to meet other great people. Uh, they want to help you, right? Yeah, of course. I think I try every time to like emphasize that, you know, I'm here to encourage you and I want everyone that I interview to succeed because although maybe an interviewee might feel like you know, like they want to reject me or they're just looking how to filter people, people out. That's not really how I look at it. I really don't like, like my, I really don't like having to like say no to people. I really would like everyone to join and like gain from the things that they can gain once being within UP. But yeah, like I try to encourage, make sure like I'm encouraging and like really supportive and like also remind them like, you know, I'm a student as well. I'm not a company or something like that. I was just like you like two years ago, really not that long. So. Yeah. And to add to that, it's honestly just to make them feel comfortable. And even if, you know, a candidate doesn't get into UPE, it's still great experience. Um, actually, you know, going through the interview process, whether, you know, that prepares you for another interview with UPE or that prepares you for actual company interviews. And so that's, that's kind of one of the biggest things. And even if, a candidate does not get into UPE, we try our best to give them feedback as to why or what they need to work on um, in order to improve themselves. Yeah, I think I think that's massive. Uh, I think you've hit a word that people don't really talk about enough, which is feedback. I mean, an example that I can give is that recently I applied for a management position in the BU Gaming Club. Um, and I mean, the interview went fine, you know, it was kind of intimidating. The whole e-board was there, all these faces in the Zoom call, all silent, all muted, uh, just staring at me intently, deep into my soul. Um, and I actually ended up getting elected as media coordinator. Um, but Congrats. one of the things that I did, thank you, uh, thank you. One of the things that I, I'm a big believer in is that just, even if I hadn't gotten the role, but I did, I still reached out and I said, what could I have done better? Uh, what did you think about the interview? What could I have done better? And I think that's pe something that people don't do a lot. Um, I mean, back in high school, I competed in something called TSA, not the airport security, uh, Technology <laughs> Student Association. I get that every time I bring it up. Um, and it was just a series of competitions. I did video game design for many years. And one thing that I lacked a lot there was, was feedback. They never really told us what we were doing wrong. And so it was so hard to improve. So I think I'm a big believer from both sides of that. If you're somebody doing the interviewing, you always want to try to get feedback so they can get better. And if you are an interviewee, if you don't get feedback, I think you should ask for it, right? Because otherwise, how are you going to improve? Yeah, exactly. yeah, glad you could do uh, pat downs at the airport. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. Um, 
Just something I want to add on about feedback. I know like Savannah and I do this as well, but if once you have an internship and stuff, if you don't sit down with your boss at the end of the, you know, of your internship, if he doesn't like make a separate meeting or something like that, it, I think you should reach out to your boss towards the very end and ask them for feedback on anything. Like my first internship, I asked my boss like about feedback for interviewing because I was about to go into a new season of, you know, interviewing for internships for my junior, um, for the summer after my junior year and just feedback on, you know, my performance throughout the internship. Because even if uh, your boss says, this is great, you know, this is great. And it makes you feel good that you're doing something right, but there's always room for improvement. Always. Like I believe that you can improve like in one way or another. So even if there were always encouraging to you, it's really great to ask for feedback. And especially when you do interview, I think it you stand out a little, a little bit or a recruiter might remember you. If you ask for feedback, let's say you didn't get that job offer. It's always good to get some feedback. And it really, st- it really stands out. Cause I hear stories about, uh, people that ask for feedback and it kind of shocks recruiters because a lot of people just see their rejection and kind of like, okay, whatever, moving on to the next thing. But if you ask for feedback, that recruiter might remember you and then refer you to a different job. So it's really important to like ask for it when you can. I certainly agree. I certainly agree. I think, I think people don't really consider that all enough. And I think that's something else to consider as well. We, we talked about sort of the imposter syndrome. You, that's something that can set you apart, right? Uh, you got to sort of try your very best to be stand out in other ways. You can't go back and, and suddenly just gain five years of experience in something. Um, but you can, you can show how willing you are to learn that now. Um, I think, I mean, it's a bit of a cliche phrase, but it's the one that, uh, sort of goes something like the best time to get started was five years ago, but the second best time is now. So you're always like, you always could have started before, but since you didn't, you might as well do it now. Um, and I think people don't sort of embody that enough. They always just sort of look back at what could have been instead of, uh, pushing forward and, and trying to make the best of what is. Um, but I think that you guys have had a lot of in- interesting um, opportunities. And between your time interviewing for things or interviewing others, um, what do you sort of think are the core skills that have jumped out to you? What do you think, uh, if you had to point out like three things, let's say, that you say that you might say, these are the things that across all the people that have succeeded or that people have seen in me when you guys succeeded, um, what do you think sort of set both you guys apart and everybody else apart? Uh, for example, I think one thing that really stands out to me um, as somebody who has worked in a lot of teams before and led some teams before in sort of tech projects is I always love people who are willing to fill any role. Uh, they're not just sort of set in with their ways. They're going to do it this way. This is what they've always done. This is what they want to do. People who are sort of just like, I get that that might not be what's best for the project. So what is best for the project? How can I best help the team? Uh, those people who have that mentality have always stood out to me as like the best team players, the ones who you want on your team, even if they might not be the most um, technically advanced, for example. I wrote a so book what, about teamwork. Of, so uh, I'll, I'll add some after you go. <laughs> uh, you guys can go first. Sav, do you want to go first? You can go first. What I what I look for, mm, what really stands out. Well, kind I do agree with you that I like someone who's uh, willing to work really well with a team and is willing to do whatever. Uh, like again, just not like focusing on one thing. Um, yes, yeah, so, someone who's definitely passionate because even though. Again, you might be like have a lot of technical skills, but you're working on a team and they're just not passionate about it. And 
they that means like most likely their work will be mediocre like it will get the job done but it won't go like beyond like they'll just do the bare minimum so when you find people that are passionate that's also good hmm, i'm trying to think if there's anything else that stands out sav do you want to go now oh uh, yeah i guess to add to that it just again of course like passion enthusiasm um i one thing personally for me that's super important um is communication uh i just even in projects like just being able to communicate that you need help or that you are not comfortable with something or you like, I guess, especially like in, in the software development life cycle, you, especially in the planning phase, like I've had internship experiences where we do the whole PM to software engineering um, roles. And so with that, like being able to adapt to things like uh, being able to bounce off ideas and not shoot other people's ideas down or actually contribute or, you know, explain your opinions as to why you think that would be a good idea. Or that wouldn't be a good idea. Um, and, you know, even just communicating when you need help or something like that, I just communication is one of the biggest things that sometimes, again, people often overlook that they're, whether it's imposter syndrome or something that they're afraid to speak up. Communication is is key that you just need to you know, talk about, you know, how you feel or how, how you can contribute, because that also goes to show how much you care. Um, so, yeah. I think that, um, I think that's, that's, that's crucial as well. I'm, people don't seem to realize I'm actually not a comp sci major. Uh, I'm a business major with a comp sci minor. I was going to dual major, but then I was uh, like, turns out I don't love comp sci. So it's sad. not doing that. <laughs> It's very sad. I we know, almost convinced you. We almost convinced you to get <laughs> it was a master's in comp sci. But and then you do went an MBA. for the heart and do an MBA, but you went for, you know, you went with your heart. I decided to be reasonable. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, you, you wanted to do what you love. I mean, you're kind of like me. You, God you know. forbid, right? Yeah. You want to do what you love. <laughs> so yeah, this but is, definitely, yeah. definitely from like that management and business side as well. I'll let you go because I know you have thoughts, Philip, but um, I would say that like, especially the people sort of managing projects or the ones who are, are trying to sort of make all the pieces fit together. They don't want to just be told what they want to hear. They want to be told what is actually going on. Don't just tell people what you think they want to hear. Tell them the reality, even if it isn't what they want to hear. Because at the end of the day, if it doesn't cause problems now, it's going to cause bigger problems later. Uh, it's all about just everybody in projects, if they really are passionate about what they're doing, and as we've highlighted, that's a key word, they're just, they just want to make the best product possible. They want to make the best team work possible. They want to sort of just do the best job. Um, and that doesn't mean that it might be exactly their vision or somebody else's. You might have to compromise, but whatever it takes to sort of get there, right? Um, so I'd say that's a huge priority, at least for people on the other end as well. Yeah, to add on to that, um, I was going to talk about the things I learned about teamwork when um, I was taking my Killer Sean seminar class, IR102, Spies and Terrace of Boston, a class about spies and terrorists of Boston, but we also had this like uh, first starting section all about teamwork, um, particularly as it pertained to the, uh, the intelligence community. Uh, but I, what I found interesting was uh, my professor, Professor Woodward, introduced to us this like four-piece matrix of high skill, low skill, and then high motivation, low motivation as a way to like see where your team members fit. And it basically goes like, if you have a team member that's low skill and low motivation, they're probably not a great fit for the team. Uh, but if you have somebody with low skill but high motivation, it's super likely that you'll be able to train them up um, into the, the upper quadrant to now be a high skill, high motivation individual. And that's where 
I mean, once you're at that point, those team members are going to just take off with the project. Um, and you know you can rely on them for anything. Uh, and the final quadrant would be high skill but low motivation. And I think that happens with anybody, you know. People get burned out on a project or people just lose interest for whatever reason. Um, and in those cases, um, in somebody with great skills uh, but low motivation can still be a great asset to your team. You just have to be able to somehow, you know, massage them to, you know, getting motivated with it again whether that's like you know all right take a break i know you like this project but you're just feeling burnt out come back to it when you're done or you know just seeing if you can find somebody else to fill that role um so motivation is a huge thing that i look for in a team now and um gabe would you like to talk about our valorant team because this is no, kind I of would not <laughs> i would um, not at all. i mean uh, hey, it has to do with team building right what you look for in a, a great team member um i i look for a set of specialists and then a, spe a set of generalists, you know, somebody that can fill any role and then somebody who is really good at a few things. I don't know if you agree with that, Gabe, um, in that sort of paradigm. Yeah, I do. And also just to give some context for people, I'm the captain of the Valorant A-team. Uh, Valorant is a competitive first-person shooter. Um, we have a competitive team for the BU Gaming Club, and Philip is the captain of the Valorant B-team. Um, so we also do lead teams in that department. Um, but I think what you've said is absolutely true. I over the years back when I worked in like other tech projects, and I think a lot of this can be extrapolated to the industry, the best people to work with, in my experience at least, have been the ones who are the most motivated, not the most talented. Um, and I think that that's something which a lot of people don't really consider nowadays. They all look at comp sign, they're like, oh, it's one of the most challenging fields to get into, you know, one of the most like contested fields. But that's just because there's a lot of high um, skill individuals. There isn't, it's not one of the most highly contested in terms of motivation. I feel like the people who have always stood out to me are the ones who really just are motivated and are willing to set themselves apart, not the ones with the highest skill. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's some prodigies here and there. Um, but yeah, that's my experience at least. Yeah. You can always tell when somebody's really willing to do something or like really willing to deep dive into something. And that really shows that's what stands out to me the most. Yeah. And if I may add to that, it, teamwork is something that never is really taught in, in any university, I would say. Um, those skills you just kind of gain from your experience, whether that's side projects, hackathons, or group projects. And, you know, being in a team, there's so much responsibility on both ends, you know, like, as like yourself, as a team member, you have to learn how to adapt to other people, whether that's that they're a more quiet, reserved person who, you know, may have high skill, but like you said, like a little a low motivation. Um, and so, you have to adapt to, you know, especially when you're in a situation where you have no choice that you have to work with them, um, which is very common when you get into the industry, you get put on a team that you have no choice. Um, and so you just have to learn how to adapt and how to communicate properly and how, how you're going to work with that person and all of these different personalities to get the job done. Yeah, I think working with a team is super valuable experience. And you're right, like, it's not something you get a lot of unless you actively seek it out. Mm -hmm. Like, you, I think a lot of, like, CS students should absolutely take every opportunity to go to every hackathon ever. And don't even match up with a team. Just go with a bunch of random people. Like, that's how you'll have the true hackathon experience. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're being thrown into the deep end of something, and you just have to work with what you have there. And uh, teamwork is one of those intangible, like, things that if somebody's a good team player, they, they just transform the team entirely. 
I 100% agree. And I really think it's all about experience, like you guys have said. Like, the more you experience it, the better you're going to get at being both a part of the team or leading a team, if that's really what you want to do. Uh, I mean, I've. I've tried to like get better at that stuff. I've read books like Mindset or The Five Dysfunctions of a Team or like Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. <laughs> Basically just search up like leadership on Amazon and the first 10 books that come up, I have them all like on that shelf over there. Um, Look at and I've like, tried to read them. Reading. And a lot of them are really interesting, but it's not, it's nowhere near the same. And it's so much harder to incorporate that stuff than just going out there and trying it uh, yourself. And at the end of the day, it's like what we've said earlier, the people who have like that long list of things that they've done, they didn't at one point. They were also getting started and they had no clue what they were doing and they still might not, but they gained a little bit every step of the way. So you just got to take the opportunities uh, when they come to you, I think. Yeah, and and when it comes to those, when it comes to those specific opportunities that we keep talking about, I think it's really different for people in different stages. Uh, I think that's one of the things that we have to talk about uh, at this point, just from the panel that we have, is what do you guys sort of think has been the biggest difficulties you guys have faced specifically when it comes to your your experiences going into these industries like for example we have three latinos here we've got two um, females in stem we've got i mean philip i'm sure you've had plenty of, of issues as well just by being an asian applying to college that itself can be difficult um so i think that between those different quadrants, we have people who have had very different experiences. And I just want to see sort of where they all line up. Um, for me, at least, I, I will say when it comes to that whole um, Brazilian side and, and the imposter syndrome idea, I got into BU not from as much of an academic strength, but more from a resume strength. And as much as I have done a lot of projects and um, I applied as an international student as well, despite having lived in Florida before, I think that a lot of people most people, the vast majority of people don't have any, any experience, any, anywhere similar to that. Um, I never felt like I, I pushed really hard for academics. I pushed a lot harder for projects and I pushed a lot harder to get to know people and more of that networking side. And that's always what I've done. And it seems to have panned out for me. Um, so I think it's always interesting to see what people's different approaches sort of lead them to. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but. Um, I guess I can speak like both on a tech side and like yeah, like so tech wise, um, of course, sophomore year going into sophomore year, what you've taken like three, maybe four of the basic intro courses that teach you, you know, the basics, but not a lot. And, you know, I wanted to apply to internships within like animation fields. And I was like, OK, like, do what do I have to do? Do I have to go into film? Do I have to go into com? Do I have to go into CFA, get a minor in art, something like that? But honestly, like a huge advantage that everything's just online these days is that you can learn it online. So I remember that semester, I would definitely dedicate some time every week to try to learn learn Unity. Actually, like one of my uh, projects that I'm pretty sure caught uh, my first, well, the only my past manager's eyes was that I had Unity on there, a Unity project, but I had no computer graphics course or a course that's like, basically made me learn unity and made me create that project so that really stands out and the great thing is yeah you although it is different learning it in the classroom versus you learning it on your own like through tutorials or through practice or whatever it really stands out when you um go out of your way to really dedicate time to learn something new because that for sure shows you're passionate about it because no one you know of course people who are passionate about a certain subject will go out and try to do anything to learn about it um, another problem for sure, like I face, especially when you're applying to companies, like for the first time, like 
um, yeah, when I was applying, I was like, I definitely felt imposter syndrome. I'm like, okay, how am I even going to stand out? Because I'm pretty sure there's some other girl who is exactly like me at a different school like maybe at a different school and she's maybe had a computer graphics background or has more projects that are more aimed towards that. So it's kind of, that one's more like of a mental drawback, just like be a little, I would say to be more confident in yourself and like what you have to offer instead of like trying to think about like everything else, like think about how you can improve yourself because your biggest competition will, won't be like, other people but it'll be just yourself so yeah to add on to what we were saying earlier I I feel like no matter who you are what you look like everybody deals with something whether you know it or not um and that can be personal issues or you know just anything you can't judge a person based off of how you see like them perform or a mistake they made or something because you don't know what's going on or like a comment they make something like that Um, And so kind of just to go along with that, I feel like, like, again, like the biggest difficulty is just feeling imposter syndrome going, you know, starting in an industry where I had no experience. Um, And just the only way to get over that is to experience these things is to experience something that hurts you that way can motivate you or experience something that you you can learn from and so it's just honestly the biggest thing is just gaining confidence and um that uh, that would say the biggest thing for me because I even to this point sometimes I still deal with imposter syndrome it never goes away it's just how how you personally deal with it I know there's people that deal with it in different ways and they can completely be reserved pull back and you know not not cope very well but it's it's all how you deal with it and how you use that going forward yeah I think everyone deals with imposter syndrome people I've met in the industry who have been in the industry maybe for 10 years still deal with it so it's not something that's just like oh like you're starting off that's why you feel it people will feel it like just like maybe all throughout their career and it's I think some people don't even realize they're feeling it I think admitting it is part of it like admitting like you are scared that you don't know how maybe you got to a certain point or that, you know, you're not good enough. It's okay to admit it, but it's what you do with that feeling kind of like what Savannah said for her, it really motivates her. And I think for everyone, you should use it as motivation because you can really see the difference in a person when they deal with imposter syndrome, whether they let that control everything and their personality, or they actually, you know, it motivates them to work harder. And that says a lot about a person's like character. I agree wholeheartedly. And I think especially when a lot of these things uh, sort of take place because of diversity or in in the scope of diversity, people sort of have the wrong idea about it. Uh, Like I will say, for example, I think I've been rather lucky that I haven't really ever dealt with an issue where being Brazilian or being different or or things like that um, have sort of been a detriment to me, Uh, probably because I, for one, I speak English with an American accent. So a lot of people don't really pick up on it a lot of the time. Um, And I 
was really lucky that I got started in tech early. Uh, it wasn't, it, I don't know how much of a benefit it will be in the long run, but I didn't have to deal with as much of those drawbacks. But even people who have like done this their whole lives or whose like entire lineage, like all their family are just like high tech people, um, they all have their own issues. Everybody has their own problems with stuff like this. And nobody just feels like they're at the top of the world, except maybe Bill Gates or something like that. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I think it's important to always just remember that. And I think that at the, at the end of the day, something that people don't seem to realize is that diversity isn't a bad thing. Like you don't want to be like Bill Gates or like everybody else. You want to be the best version of yourself, not the best version of Bill Gates. Um, and that's what everybody, luckily that's what the world is sort of changing to look for as well. I mean, it's been proven, um, especially in the industry that more diverse teams will come up with more creative solutions and they'll think things outside the box and they won't just make, uh, exactly what everybody else is making. And that's why both in the industry as well as in smaller companies and, and in anything in between, People are looking for more diversity in teams. It's not just to check off quotas. It's because that's how you get the best team possible. That's how you get the most creative solutions. And that's how you get really interesting people working together on really interesting ideas. So nobody should ever feel like they have to suppress that side of themselves or something, I think, because that really is the way to be the best version of yourself, I think. Yeah, something I forgot to add was that no matter the way somebody feels about imposter syndrome, there's always a way to turn it around and and think that although I may be weak in this aspect, I'm strong in another aspect. And so for me, something that I like realized that I guess like there were some things that I felt weak about that I was like, my, maybe my technical skills aren't where they should be or where the other people on my team are, other interns are. And I just felt like, okay, I can I can turn that around. And what do I have that's different from them and it's not at all to pick at someone else and be like okay maybe I'm better than you in that sense it's it's really just to to make you like to feel better about yourself that although you may have some sort of insecurity or something that makes you not feel well that there's always something else that you can be good at and it there's that's possible in every team everybody has different strengths and weaknesses and for me something I found was that although I some I felt imposter syndrome in my technical skills I definitely felt super confident and strongly about my networking skills. And that's something that I've just grown to, you know, use to my advantage. And from there, I've, I've just become so confident in myself. Yeah. To add to that conversation, uh, Gabe and Evan uh, Melissa, uh, I think like as an Asian person, like uh, you get a lot of stereotyping about what you might know. Like people might think I'm super great at theory I know no theory at all. I'm all about applying uh, what I know. Um, and like, there's kind of like an immense pressure from a lot of Asian families, like from your parents or whatever, about like really excelling in academics. And I think that that kind of like made me not enjoy my senior experience in high school because I was working so hard. Um, and now that I'm in college, I realized that, you know, I, I probably should have spent more of that time just being who I was and enjoying the things that I do. Uh, right now that I'm away from like, from the pressure of high school and being into college and stuff, I've really taken the time to like not worry about my um, academic commitments because you know those are important, but they're not what make my college experience. What makes my college experience is the people that I meet along the way, the connections I build, you know, the friendships I make, um, and like being able to wrestle with like 
I don't know, some, some stereotypes about like who you may be, which I've experienced during my time in high school, which kind of bothered me, but I never really said anything about it. Um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to wrestle with. There's no really one, there's no one answer. Uh, and you also do feel like a sense of impo- like that you're an imposter because you might not match up to people who look like you uh, or, or do the things that you do. Like, um, of course, there's a lot of Asian people in, in the field of computer science, but, you know, I'm nowhere as near as good at them. But that doesn't really matter. It's, it's what I bring to the table, my unique blend of skills, ideas and viewpoints that really make a team. And, and you're really right, Gabe. What makes a great team is it's a team that actually isn't a team full of yes men. It's a team of people who have conflicting ideas, conflicting viewpoints, all rubbing up against each other that make the best product. Because once you get all those people in the same room, bringing up all these different concerns, that's how you address the issue. That's why I think the most important skill for somebody to have is to be, well, I don't want to say open to being wrong, though that as well, but open to finding a middle ground. Because if you have a room full of people who are all geniuses, different in every way possible, but none of them are willing to coordinate or come to a middle ground, you're going to get nothing done. The same way, if you have a room of people that aren't aren't prodigies, um, but they all have interesting ideas, even though they may be different, if they're willing to cooperate and find a middle ground... I I would say chances are they're going to come up with, at the very least, a more interesting uh, solution, a more unique solution, a more creative solution um, than the alternative. So I would always say go for that, for sure. And I think at this point, we've talked quite a bit about how you guys sort of got to this point. And one thing that I want to look back at and and sort of get you guys' thoughts on is what do you think have been whether it be tools or a specific advice that you got or something that have most impacted you uh, when you got to this point? Uh, like, do you think that there was one thing that you sort of started doing that totally changed how you approached either the tech field or networking or how you met people or anything like that? Or, or was this something that somebody said to you that changed everything? Uh, and I think that one, one thing that I can bring up um, for me personally it was actually kind of similar to what Philip said. He said, you don't want a team full of yes men. I agree. But being a yes man some of the time is great for getting more experience. Uh, you don't want to just do what everybody tells you or what you want to do, but you want to take the opportunities to at least do something. Um, it might not be what you want or what somebody else wants, but it will be something at the end of the day. And that's something that a mentor told me in an ID tech camp, actually, um, a couple of years back over the summer. Uh, they, uh, Her name was what was her name? Jade Zyros. And she had won a first robotics tournament back in high school. And she had worked quite a bit with like the tech field. She, I think she was a comp sci major um, at what, some school in Florida. And she basically just said that, that one day she, she sort of decided to start having that approach of just sort of taking every opportunity that came to her. And that's how she branched out and learned a lot of new things. And I think that that's also why I've been able to do a lot of those things. It's just taking the opportunities that come to me, even if they're not exactly what I want to do. Um, so I'm interested in seeing what you guys think might have been some of those more formative moments for you guys. Yeah, for me, um, back to your the question about uh, having a role model and who who mine would be. That same woman, uh, her name's Vanessa, and she is really the one that has encouraged me to come out of my bubble. And there's always something she used to say that really stuck to me since my first internship when I met her. She always, her her whole motto was kick ass and take names. Um, and she would yell that to us always. And I was like, what does that mean? Um, but, you know, if you really think about it, she's like, you know, perform your best in your internship and take names. And the whole take names is 
goes into networking. And that's something a lot of people overlook and that can get you so far. Um, for me, I've had many experiences where networking has actually helped me go to a different team or just overall learn about the company. And Microsoft actually has a program for interns. It's called the intern networking program. And they match you with, you know, every intern, if you sign up to be in the program, they match you with a full-time employee every two weeks. And so they, you know, CC you guys on an email and usually the intern is expected to initiate the conversation. And from there, they schedule a 30 minute coffee chat or something like that. And, you know, that really just helps you get to know more about the company, learn about someone else's experiences. And with that, there's just a lot of questions that I would ask every person and see how everybody's responses were different, whether that's like, what do you like about Microsoft? What don't you like? And honestly, kind of touch on those things and hear a genuine response about someone who's inside the company. And yeah, and back to what I was saying that it's actually helped me, you know, learn more about the company and other teams. Um, I, my first internship, I was under the N365 core umbrella. And then my following internship with Microsoft, I went under Azure Identity, which is more security. Um, and I, although I did like the work in Azure, I really just wanted to go back to M365 core because to me, that's where I, I actually networked so much my freshman year, my freshman my first internship. And I just felt so comfortable and it felt like a family to me over there. And I just knew that that's somewhere that I wanted to explore more to be able to expand my network as I go into the industry. And so from my second internship under Azure, I connected back with my network when I was um, finishing my internship. I was telling them that I was interested in going back under M365. And I was able to get an interview with a team under M365. And from there, they basically just, they I got an offer. I interviewed, I got an offer. And so I switched back to M365. And actually, I my past internship this summer was under M365. And it was the hardware repair team in which I'm actually received a full-time offer. And I will be going to go work there this um, after graduation. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's my story on how important networking is, is that I just found somewhere that felt like home to me and I wanted to go back. And I've just learned so much about the company from people on Xbox, from people on the Teams, Microsoft Teams team. And the, um, also, they, yeah, it's called the Teams team. <laughs> that's <laughs> they, awesome. It's funny. Yeah. Um, and even like other places like Excel and things like that, just learning how those things work and, you know, even networking with other interns that who have now gone onto other companies, I always have them to reach out to, whether it's to hear about their experiences or if I ever, you know, wanted a referral to switch companies, I always have them. And that's, that's something that's just so important about networking. I can't wait to get on 500 plus connections on LinkedIn. <laughs> that is yeah, why I'm opinion. starting to think. I'm starting to think everywhere I go, I'm just going to start a new podcast. Sounds like a pretty good idea to me. You know what? I don't know. It's, yeah, it's working should, out so far. You should far. go to a new club, start a podcast there, add everybody you know on LinkedIn, you know, just keep yeah, me on. Problem solved. <laughs> all the connections. Yeah. Got to build those connections. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's goal is to get 500 plus on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's my, oh. Yeah, no, it's fine. I was going to say, but to go back to, I guess, the question, the original question, I guess, like um, a tip or something. This one was actually 
from my mom when I, I think I was struggling a lot sophomore year. I think sophomore year personally was like the worst in the sense of like imposter syndrome, because I guess that's the first year where you have nothing on your resume, but you feel like you should have more or you're competing against people who have more than you. And I think, you know, and sometimes hearing comments that like, you you know, like not very nice comments about why you are a certain way or like just hurtful things. My mom always said, and she, you know, having a thick skin is important at some point because you can't let every little thing bother you. But I'm still like working on it today. My mom always says, you know, at some point you can't like, if someone's going to think something bad about you or think, you know what, like you don't deserve that job. You, you know, I don't think you're smart enough or whatever. It's in a sense, like, don't let that, don't let every little comment, um, someone makes take you don't let, don't let every comment. Is, yeah. Like don't let every, don't take every comment personally. That's what I meant to say. Don't take every comment personally. And also like just l- realizing that you're not going to, to not like try to change other people's like opinions about you, but like just try to use that like to your advantage to kind of like grow stronger from there. It's just like, if someone says this little comment, I'm like, you know what? Like I really can't change like their mind. And that's like kind of like how my person, a lot about my personality now. Savannah knows this, like if someone really doesn't like me for some reason, or I don't know if someone really thinks this certain way about me to a certain extent, like I can't let that stop me. And like, in a sense, like I can't really like change their mind at some point and have to like either use that, like to motivate me more or keep moving on to like the next thing and not getting stuck on like one person, like one person's comment. This isn't to say feedback isn't important because I think then you should use the people who actually do lift you up and who do have a better feedback for you to let that keep motivating you as you go on. But networking wise, I know Savannah hit on that a little bit. And I want to talk a little bit about the same thing that networking is super, super important because I feel like, yeah, you never know, like for her, you know, she got to go back to the team. She really wanted to because of that. But I think a big reason why I got my return offers, because I tried to just not network necessarily with different people at the company, but really try to get to know my team on a more personal level. Like, no, you know, like, you know, more about their family or like what they did before they came to DreamWorks, stuff like that. And I really think that said a lot. And my team mentioned that to me too. They said, you know, past interns don't even sit with them at lunch or like don't even really talk to them other than like at meetings or don't ask them questions like, Hey, how was your weekend and stuff like that. So to them, it was very surprising when, you know, I would sit with them like at breakfast or something or be like, Hey, yeah, I'm going to go eat breakfast. You want to join me or should we go get lunch? And I think that goes a long way because they get to know you like on a different level, not just like saying, okay, like this is Melissa and she knows how to code in Python and Java, like, because that's just technical wise. So networking is a big deal. And I really tried to emphasize like work more on that. Um, this past summer, since I did return to the same team, they already knew where my technical skills was. And like during the day, I have a lot of time to like learn and just code and everything. But I definitely took the time to network and meet different people with across the studio because technically at DreamWorks, the software engineers are the minority. So a lot of people don't have no idea like what they're doing more. Most people are production assistant on on doing more um, production art, you know, stuff like that. So 
since personally, I, my, the role I'm really looking forward, uh, looking for in the animation field is called a uh, technical director. I reached out to the person in charge of the internship. Uh, her name was Rabia. So I reached out to her and she always, in- I was like, okay, I want to network and meet more technical directors. And that's really hard because our internships were over zoom, like over or whatever platform we use, just all virtual. So you know, in person, like you could run it, you could, you know, be invited to a meeting and you meet someone and you're like, you start up a conversation easily, but you know, like on virtual, you really have to reach out and email people and be like, hi, um, you know, who you are, who you're interning for and how you're passionate to learn more about them. So I definitely did that. And I tried to learn as much as possible about people who were technical directors. Cause that's a role that I really like. And now a lot of them, you know, know me by name, because again, there's probably three or four uh, comp sci majors who are interns there. You know, there's not a lot of us. So if you reach out to them, you're going to stand out very easily. Um, And so getting to know them, seeing more of their work and through them, I got to actually meet the technical director recruiter who actually does all the recruiting for those jobs. And from there, she was able to give me a lot more advice and tips on the the application process and what I should do, you know, if I want to come back and switch to being a technical director. So it really goes a long way because it can help you. Like for Savannah, it got her kind of, she did, of course, a lot more to get her a turn offer, but it got her a turn offer on the team she preferred or like she got to switch over. So and for me, it's like the same thing. I got a return offer with an incredible team. So it goes a long way. Yeah. And if I may add to what Melissa was saying that I like networking, it can go such a long way. My first internship networking with Vanessa, which is, I again, I mentioned, um, she's the core vice president, about two, three levels below the CEO, which is super intimidating as an intern, especially a first first internship experience. And had I not interned or networked with her, then I wouldn't have the connection that I do with her this day. And every summer, as I returned back to Microsoft as an intern, I'd make sure to check in with her. And in fact, it actually got to the point where she got mad at me that I was three weeks into my internship and I hadn't reached out to her. (laughs) Um, So it's, it's super important that like you keep up with these connections, whether it's your manager from the previous summer or something like that. And to add on to that, like she, like Melissa was saying that she found out about other roles. Um, for me, I have had internship experience with both the PM role and software engineering role. And my after my first internship, I completely thought I was going to go the PM route. But then, you know, after networking with some more PMs and hearing about their experience and hearing some of them say that they regret not going into the software engineering route first and then transitioning into a PM because, you know, they have a more like a stronger technical background that has influenced me into how I will make my decision and how I'm going to start my career. And so, you know, hearing a couple of uh, PMs tell me the same thing that they recommend that I start off with the software engineering background. And if I still want to transition to a PM role, then that would be the best way to go. And so it, it, you don't you have no idea how far networking can go, whether how it can impact your career and how, um, how much you can learn. 
It's awesome. Can't believe I chose a major about computers, and now I have to talk to people. <laughs> How disappointing. Clearly, a miscalculation. <laughs> Clearly a miscalculation. <laughs> but that's awesome that all these, like, um, just talking to people got, like, you know, people on your, on your teams, your respective teams, to notice you more and to make you really stand out. I think, yeah, that's something that's super overlooked, building those interpersonal connections. Because once I think people are more likely to recommend those that they, they already know rather than somebody who they haven't interacted with at all. Yeah, I mean, you can find a million people who are proficient in Java or Python by just looking through some job interviews. But the one who you that doesn't make you want to work with them. The ones who you want to work with are the ones who have emailed you and you can tell like the voice in the way that they write their emails or how passionate they are, or how excited they are. Those are the ones that you're going to want to work with. Right. Uh, so I think I think that's definitely huge. And. I think at this point, I mean, we've talked about mostly how you guys got up to this point, everything that you've done, a lot of your experiences, what has shaped you and what has really defined like how you view this whole industry. What would you say are your ideals going forward? Like what, where do you see yourself going from here? I mean, we know that um, Savannah has signed a full-time offer with Microsoft. Um, Melissa, you, I mean, you interned at DreamWorks quite a bit and you, you seemed like you really wanted to continue working on that sort of side of uh, things. So I guess both immediately after you graduate both classes of 21 uh where do you guys think you'll be going and more long term sort of just where do you see yourselves in the future uh, this is a good question. question i i actually got asked this question on an interview long term and short term career goals which is kind of hmm. tough when you think about it welcome back um, this is the second round of interviews <laughs> yeah. no please please stop um but Okay, well, for me, since I technically still do not have a uh, a job offer, I am in the process of interviewing right now. Um, hopefully, um, I want to stay in the entertainment field. I don't just limit myself to animation, but I love, I've always loved entertainment. You know, like, it's cool to be able to say like, oh, like I technically was part of that show or part of that movie. Not necessarily I did this art or designed this character, but I contributed in some way so you know my goal is to do, still be a software engineering role still combine my love of like cs with my other love of like entertainment films and movies um i re um trying to think something to keep in mind is yeah i think before um when i was younger i was really scared to like be a minority in this field. I didn't, I didn't even realize like I was until like, you know, you see the people around your class and you're like, oh yeah, like I'm a small part. And sometimes some of, I know we've talked about not letting like these hurtful comments go, but some of the comments are definitely more like, are definitely along the side that, you know, sometimes you hear people, oh, you know, they get, this person got this because, because they're a minority and like, and companies really want diversity. It's like, oh yeah, she only got that job because she's Mexican and, you know, they have to have diversity. Comments like that are extremely hurtful because um, you're just, again, defining that person as like, oh, one letter. And what I, my response to those questions is it's not necessarily because I'm Mexican, but being Mexican makes me different and makes my, the way I view things and my personality and just my open-mindedness or maybe the way I approach a problem it, that culture part of side of me is what makes me different. So no, it's not because um, I check a box that I'm Hispanic. It's because um, that culture made me grow up thinking a different way. And I think really embracing that and always remembering, like, even if you are different and you might not think that way to not shy away from it, but really embrace it because 
teams are now realizing that that re- it's a diverse mindset is what really makes a really great team. So just again, always being trying to stay confident no matter what and not sh- uh, shine down from opportunities. So. Yeah, and exactly. I second what Melissa says. We've both had someone tell us those comments and that's why it's also great that we have each other because we're able to reassure each other and we've both been in the same situation. And so she touched on that perfectly and said everything that one could possibly say just to use it to motivate you. Um, And as for my short-term, long-term goals, um, right now, again, yeah, I will be starting off my career as a software engineer at Microsoft. Um, I have interests all over the place that I will see one day how they connect and which route I decide to take. Um, I'm super interested in space. And so I hope one day to work at NASA in some way. Um, or if that doesn't happen or for some reason I change my mind, I'm also really into real estate, which again is pretty different from what I'm doing right now. So yeah. <laughs> again, we'll see if, I don't know, I become a realtor. No, I'm kidding. That won't happen. But um, I maybe do something with software engineering in the real estate industry. Um, but yeah, so I, we'll we'll see where I'm going. And again, I also touched on how I may even want to transition into being a PM after I get some more software engineering experience. Um, so I think, I guess, once I just start my career and get a feel for how, how things are, how the industry is as an actual full-time employee, then I'll actually have a better idea and, you know, what things I want to do, whether I want to go to grad school and get an MBA or something like that. Um, but I think that will all come with time. But as for right now, I'm, I have so many interests and I'm still interested in that and exploring those things. And one day I'll figure out how they all come together. This is a super weird tangent, but this is one of the connections I've had. I met a professor at Harvard, a professor Zona Kostik, and she's working on a, a like a real estate project with a few uh, graduate students where she is like um, building a machine learning model with these students to create optimized fo- floor plans for buildings, which is super cool stuff. So hey, maybe we'll fi- well maybe we'll find you there one day. Exactly. <laughs> Tech is everywhere these days. That's why I kind of love it it. because, (laughs) yeah, like even if you have a different passion, since everything's just so tech driven these days, you can still find a way to like connect a different passion you may have to tech. So and what Savannah was saying, I know like she has other dreams, like, of course, of going to NASA or real estate. But like she hit on a point that I think is really important to, to be open minded. You know, when I so currently one of the roles I. I'm really going towards is rotational programs. Like I've been applying to a lot, which basically what those are is that maybe over the span of a year or two years, you get to move around within a company. You're not just set in one place. And two years ago, if you asked me, would you do a rotational program? I was like, no, because I like in a sense, like it is different because you're not guaranteed. Sometimes you're not guaranteed a full-time job after that period. But honestly, like, it now I value that more because I'm kind I'm I like the idea that I'll be able to go to different places learn from different people and I'll get to settle there for a little while but then also move on and gain a couple different skills all within like the span of like maybe a year or two years and it's like keeping that open-minded and just maybe along the way I'll discover I have a different passion or someone will introduce me to something completely different that I may have not thought of so it's keeping that mentality in mind. I also wanted to add my dream, my actual dream is to sit in the movie theater 
for a film and see my name on the screen. So like that is one of like, for sure, like my end goal is that like somehow I'll be part of a film, even if I have to wait 10 minutes sitting in the theater for all the credits on the last name, my goal is to be there at least. Technical director, Melissa awesome Lopez. Yeah. <laughs> that would be That's pretty awesome cool. Goal. Yeah. Hey, how about we turn the question around on its head and ask Gabe? <laughs> what do you want to do, yeah. Gabe? Yeah, what, what do you, you want to do, do, huh? I have actually had this happen to me before in podcasts. It's kind of concerning. People do this a lot. Um, you know what? I'm just going to do this for every question. I'm like, hey, what do you think, Gabe? <laughs> That's your role as the, co- the co-host now? You just repeat yeah. the question but for me? I repeat um, the question yeah. er, verbatim. Fair enough. Same I, delivery. I'm a bit earlier in the process. I'm not BU class of 21. I'm class of 24. I have a little while to figure that out. Um, I mean, as we previously mentioned, though, at one point, the plan was planned out as far as an MBA. So who knows? Um, I try to be really open-minded. Uh, one of the books that's on my on my shelf of the 10 that I bought from Amazon or whatever, it's called Range. Um, it was actually recommended, I think, by the Dean of Questrom uh, School of Business at BU. It's, it basically talks about how diversification can lead to better, well, more well-rounded and more in-depth individuals than people who just focus on one thing like forever. Um, and they talk about how a lot of studies, you know, chess is a good example. Um, in People who are really good at chess are typically the ones who have just played chess for a really long time. They focus on chess. They know every single possible move, but that's because chess is predictable. If you know how to read the board, if you know what the opponent might do, then you can react accordingly. It's more about looking at the patterns. It's all about patterns. That is not the case for every field in the world. And that's what the book is talking about. A lot of the times in, in real world and more real jobs, people think that it's all about just drilling those programming questions on, um, on leak code or something so that you can get that interview done. But not every job is like chess. In fact, the vast majority aren't. They're not going to be predictable. They're not going to be pattern-based. It's all going to be about diversifying and and becoming a more well-rounded individual because then you can react to any given situation better. Um, and that's something that I, I really like. So short term, I'm just trying to do a ton of different stuff. Uh, I'm just trying to gain experience and projects. And I've always been about that. Um, I... I mean, back in high school, I sort of only did video game design, like I mentioned, um, for a long time. I started back in eighth grade, actually, where I learned Unity and just started doing that stuff with TSA. Uh, I only That's all I did until a like junior year. I had my little bubble, and I was like, I am the best. It's great, um, <laughs> because nobody else was doing that. That's the only reason I was the best. Um, but um, but, but then the I best realized, by wait, default. <laughs> exactly, because there was no competition. Nobody else was doing video game design stuff. So then I sort of looked around me, and I was like, wait, there's a ton of people doing a lot of really other cool stuff, that, and I, I really wanted to get involved with that. So I joined First Robotics and I met people who were way above me in terms of technical skill there. And I joined a film production class where I learned how to shoot with cameras and and lighting and audio stuff. And I did broadcast for a while. Uh, for a while, I ran backstage tech for a theater production. Um, and I'm just trying to diversify and try out as many different experiences as possible. Because what I've realized, and this is the reason why I'm not a comp sci major, I am a tech enthusiast. I do not like computer science. <laughs> there is a difference. I could not sit through four years of the- theoretical classes and like applied mathematics and and I don't like to code. I code as a means to an end. I do it because I like to create things. Really, I should be a media studies major, but it's a bit, eh, that one's a bit iffy. I also don't want to be homeless, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I guess short term, I'm just trying out a ton of stuff, joining a ton of clubs and doing projects, but long term, probably either going to be a PM or something uh, with an MBA or some sort of business degree. Um, or more recently, I actually had a dream about this last night. I was thinking to myself, I was like, PM sounds cool, but the most fun thing that I've ever done was probably running that backstage production for that theater show. 
Um, and I would love to do more stuff like that. I'm in stage troupe right now, but it's not really happening because, you know, Corona. Um, but long term, I would love to look more into doing production side of things. So kind of what I do with the podcast, I guess. But that's amazing. Yeah. Should we take this as a moment to learn more about your co-host? <laughs> yes, please. Please do entertain us as well, Philip. Tell us. Uh, yeah. What is your what are your plans? You want to know my backstory? Like, yeah, this is where I came from. Yes. Anyways, yeah, super <laughs> Might as well, right? Yeah. It's weird. Um I my earliest memories were me in the basement of my of like my childhood like oh, house. No, yeah, I'm dude. I'm sorry on this big beige Pentium 3 Windows XP tower playing space pinball. And that's definitely where my passion for tech started because I got into games. Then after I got into games, like I got into watching a bunch of videos about tech and like computers and stuff. And I really wanted to put one together. My dad's an electrical engineer. So helped me out with that as when I was like 12. And like just getting into video games and and like building computers tangentially got me into programming because i realized hey i i could i I use these things to consume media but what if i made something with it and i think ever since then i've always been enamored with creating stuff so my interests in in programming is, is is a means to build things uh but i'm also interested in music which is why I'm $200 down the hole with all the audio equipment that I bought <laughs> um, over the course of, I don't know, the last year or month or, month or so. Um, so I'm, I play in a rock band. I've played a rock band for two years and I'm super into production. I mean, as long as I get to touch a keyboard, I am content with my life. As long as I get to touch a keyboard and make something, I'm content with my life. And I, and I think that's really what gets me going. And that's why I really like computer science because you get this technical aspect, you know, uh, that that kind of binds computer science together. But at the end of the day, you're trying to make something. You're trying to make something useful or, or make something enjoyable to, to like a wide range of people. Uh, wow, I was supposed to tell you what my goals were. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is oh. still good. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my, we're building really, up. Yeah. my short-term goals are really just to build my skills, you know, particularly my soft skills, um, as well as my technical skills by getting involved with a lot of hackathons, a lot of student organizations, you know, such as UPE, and really building my connections. Um, and from there, I really don't know where I'll, I'll go. Um, I love to make software, so I'm probably going to take up some software engineering post at some company. Uh, but what I'm going to be building, I have no clue. I mean, I considered machine learning, but then I realized, you know, that's way too much math for me. So maybe not. Then I considered app development. I'm like, you know what? That's actually more my field because I'm into web development, you know, making websites, handling the back end and the front end. And honestly, I think that's where I'm going to go. Like app development, web de- like web development sort of a field there. What company? I don't know. I'm, I'm partial to Microsoft, actually. Um I'm a big Microsoft fanboy. Yeah, I, I could tell. I could tell. You'll be hearing from me, Savannah, at some point. <laughs> I'm kind of biased, though. My dad has worked at Microsoft for like 23 years, but anyway. Yeah, I have one window. Like, I have one machine that runs Windows, and I hate it. So, Windows is their worst Good. product. Not not like not because it's bad, but because I use Mac OS. So, yes. I mean, my, my second dream would be working at Apple, but then I wouldn't be able to tell anybody about anything I did because Apple's super secretive. That's true. <laughs> And uh, I don't really know how much web stuff they're doing unless I really want to work on the Apple storefront or maybe develop their oh, native no. applications. That's not that an aspiration. Cool. Yeah. No. Actually, you know, develop na- de- like if I got to work on like Logic Pro, which is um, Apple's uh, digital audio workstation, that's what I used to make my music with. 
that would be like the dream. I get to make the thing that makes my music. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm trying well, to say, right? I get to make yeah. the thing that makes making makes music me... possible. <laughs> that sounds yeah. for me. Hold on to that dream and always like something I keep in mind. Like although people, we I think. I speak like with Savannah and I, we can both acknowledge we're very, very lucky. You know, like I know sometimes on the first try, you don't get it. Like somehow I did somehow I applied and got like this great company. Like that's really one of the big com- animation companies. But also what I realized there that sometimes it takes a while to like get to your dream. But as long as you still have a drive for it, maybe one day you will be work- working on it. Like you never know, or you're built all your, or you will be building the new software. You never know. But if you really hold on to that dream and keep in mind that every step of the way can help you get there, maybe maybe I'll be seeing your name like under the developers one day. Who knows? No way. The lead developer, <laughs> uh, Philip Tran for uh, X product. Uh, don't get me too excited for the future. I'm a computer science major. Nothing is supposed to make me happy. You have a problem set due like today. I just like to right. remind you. Wait, what? Um, yeah, more immediate yeah. concerns. Oh, yeah. I, already, I already did it. Don't worry. I mean, it's probably all wrong, but I did it. That's fine. It's, <laughs> it's fine. okay, Gabe. The usual. I will also say, I think it's <laughs> yeah. important to remember, like, definitely hold on to your dreams, but be, like, it's okay if you decide that's not what you want to do. You don't have to, like, you don't have this formed identity. I think a lot of people, especially with, like, the rush to figure out what you want to do at the age of 18 and apply to college with this whole, like, narrative of who you are and all this, I think a lot of people feel like they they really need to know what they're doing right now. That's not necessarily the case. It's okay to just try things and then figure out what it is you want to do. And if you apply to something, let's say you're even working a job and you're not happy, then that's not worth it. You got to figure out what it is that makes you happy and what you want to actually do. Um, and it, that doesn't have to stay the same for the 90 years that you're working or whatever. Oh, maybe not 90, 60 90. years that you're working or whatever. Um, when did we get wow. to lengthen to I was going to say that Dave. you're alive, but Slow then 90 down. was a bit short on being alive, but also too long for, for working. So it was a weird in between. All right. Yeah, you messed um, it up. <laughs> yeah but I, I would just say that's also very important just be willing to keep an open mind like everybody here pretty much has said um and just try new things that's something i'm a huge advocate for mm-hmm. so at this point we have talked about how you guys got to where you are where you're going from here where all of us are going from here actually so how can we reflect on all of this and talk to the audience now what tips would you give anybody either getting started in the industry or in positions like us or moving forward, whether it be about soft skills or networking or finding your passion, anything like that. I mean, all of us clearly have experienced a lot. So what would you guys say to anybody watching? I would say, um, like basically to summarize everything we've touched upon, um, for me, I'm one of the biggest advocates of networking, and I've told my friends about that a million times to the point where they're probably annoyed. Um, yep. Networking such a big thing. <laughs> networking such a big thing. And, of course, just being open-minded, you know, holding on to your dreams, but also being open-minded because whether it's going to take a little longer to get to your dream or you just have a change of heart, then, you know, be open-minded to change and adaptability, being able to adapt to wherever your path may lead you or whoever you're working with is such an important thing. Um, always making sure to communicate, voice your concerns, um, contribute and, uh, you know, contribute your opinions and things like that. Um, and, and there's, there's just honestly so much that I am trying to summarize it. And <laughs> there's like a million things that I would tell people, but I mean, those are, those are pretty much the, 
the biggest things. And, you know, if you ever feel imposter syndrome, there's so many ways to cope with it and everybody's different. So the way that I may deal with imposter syndrome would be that, you know, kind of like what Melissa was saying, you know, that her mom told her, you know, don't believe not don't believe everything somebody tells you, but take things with a grain of salt, you know, use it to motivate you or, you know, analyze yourself. What are your strengths, weaknesses, and what can you do better? Use that to improve upon yourself and motivate you to do other things. And yeah. Yeah. To add on to that, she made a lot of good points. I say, yeah, just being open-minded, you know, like it, it may not be the end goal, the end goal, uh, you being open-minded and keeping in in mind that, you know, like your dream, like, I feel like a lot, it's very common to have like, uh, freshmen and sophomores who are like my dreams to work at Google. Like you could, but like, maybe that's not your first stop. Maybe you go to a startup and there you become the lead somewhere there. And then you move somewhere else. And, and like all those skills that you gain along the way could lead you eventually to your dream. Like there's no rush. Like I know there, there's so much pressure on us today, especially I know as a sophomore, there's so much pressure to get an internship, do something like that. There, Everyone's saying, if you don't have an internship, like sometimes you feel like something's wrong with you. Like, what, was I really just that bad or you're not doing the right thing? You know, you're not taking advantage of opportunities that are saying, sometimes it's fine. if like, you're just not there yet, but you can be there as long as you're working towards that goal eventually and not everyone's path is the same. So not, even if I see someone who interned twice somewhere and then they got a great job, that doesn't necessarily mean that like, that's my path or I have to do something like that. And I would say a lot of being confident, just being confident in yourself, because sometimes interviewers can tell when you're not confident about an answer, when you're second guessing yourself, that's not good. Sometimes it's, you know, you want to be confident, but also uh, be able to admit mistakes. So always remain confident and realize that your dream, every dream truly is possible. It might not be immediate, but you can still get there some way. So just, uh, never lose confidence in yourself no matter what. And always, uh, take risks, stuff like that. What about you, Philip? What's your advice? You think I have advice, dude? I'm 18 years old. You gotta old. give something. <laughs> My yeah, advice. I mean, we're figuring it out too, but maybe there's somebody hey. 16 that we can help, right? Hey, somebody who's 16, Yeah, exactly. Bro. Ah, dude, finally, I get to inject all the wisdom of Uncle Phil. Um, I'd say don't lie to yourself and do things that you actually enjoy in high school. Because um, I think I did some things that I didn't enjoy, honestly, and it was a waste of time. I mean, of course, I did a lot of stuff that I did enjoy. But you, you just have to be truthful to yourself. Like, you know, outside of any other external pressure, uh, say to yourself, okay, I'm doing this. Like, why am I doing it? Am I doing it because I think it's going to look good on my resume? Or am I doing it because I actually enjoy it? Because I, I really think that doing something you enjoy shows more, it shows through more on your resume than just doing things to fill out your resume. I really hope that's true or else I just let a bunch of 16-year-old kids to their doom uh, in the college application process. Yeah, no, I think I think that's true. I, I go by that mentality too. I guess I have to give advice now too. I think... Hmm. I think the, I mean, obviously I haven't experienced enough in life to give too good of advice, but if I had to say something, I would just say, don't aim, like, don't aim to be the best person on the planet. Aim to be the best version of yourself. 
That's like the best that you can do. Cause when you sort of come in with that mentality, then you stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Cause they aren't the best version of you. Nobody's the best version of you, but you can become the best version of you. Um, that's, I think the best way to look at things and just the best thing to strive to be. So, all right. So I think with that, we've sort of gone through most of the, the story. And I think that we've sort of shown how important networking and just these soft skills and a lot of these underappreciated areas of the industry and just tech ideas um, can be. Uh, I mean, a lot of times people people look at tech and they look at like these tech um podcasts and even just our other episodes. And a lot of them can be really technical or a lot of them can be about programming and about all that, but there's so much more to it. And there's so much more to just being somebody in this industry or in these fields or even just liking this stuff. Uh, so I think all in all, we've pretty much told most of the story. And at this point, I always ask one thing, which is, do you guys have any shout outs that you want to give or any closing thoughts? Is there somebody that's sort of on your way up really stood out to you? Somebody that you want to shout out either in UPE or in any, in any of your points of experience? Uh, I have a feeling I know who Savannah's is going to be, but we'll see. Yeah. Just remind me, I have a closing thought, but anybody, yes, uh, everybody we'll else go first. Yeah. Some yeah, shout outs? I mean you go first. <laughs> okay. Um, of course. Yeah. I'll shout out Vanessa and I, and I hope she listens to this. Maybe I'll, I'll email it to her and she'll listen to it. Um, and also I owe everything to where I am today to my parents who have been like the biggest support system for me and always motivating me and encouraging me when I'm down or, you know, just being proud of me every step of the way that something that, you know, feeling imposter syndrome, like such a, a, a small accomplishment that it seems like a small accomplishment to me was actually like my parents are insanely proud of me. Um, and so, you know, they always tell me not to compare myself to other people and that's, this has just gone such a long way. And I'm so thankful for that and having such a great support system. Yeah. For me, again, it would also, uh, be my parents cause they're, of course, like if you ever feel down about yourself, you like, thank goodness, I can always like go back to my parents and they are so proud of me for everything that I've been able to accomplish They're, You know, it's always great hearing how much like they support me and they're there for me, no matter like what path I end up choosing or where I end up going. I know they'll always be there to support me and just remind me of how, you know, how, like how much I've worked to get to where we, I mean, for everyone where we are today. Um, other shout outs. Let me think. I would say, of course, I, my team, like my team at DreamWorks, I feel like sometimes they feel like they're the really boring team on in R&D, but I'm like, no, I love that team. I worked with them for two years. Uh, my manager's great. His name is Brent Lobos. You know, he's always really hard on me on my pull requests. I'll say that if he ends <laughs> up watching this, he's pretty hard on me, but I appreciate it. My coding definitely has improved. And of course, um, one of my mentors, Jeff Bradley, he, uh, like we got along so well and he was definitely showed me what the DreamWorks culture is all about. And, you know, he's very, very grounded down to earth. And I know a lot of people at the company cherish him and he's just a great guy that I always knew, like, uh, had my back and could help me if I needed anything on the team. So shout out to those people to basically my team and not forget that they're super important at the studios. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure without them, nothing would get animated ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Honestly. Yeah, for sure. That's what would happen. Yeah. Sometimes it's the things that you don't see are the most important, you know, like especially your team at DreamWorks, like 
that software team is not there, the entire <laughs> like yeah. the entirety of DreamWorks can't do anything. Exactly. Oh yeah, my my parting nugget of wisdom. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, it's okay to not know what the hell is going on. It's kind of how a lot of us got involved with this. It's like, wow, that sounds interesting. And you, you dip your toe in. It's like, ooh, this is nice. And then um, a, a, a lake monster just engulfs you. And, and now you're in the belly of the lake monster. And it's all right to know what, like, not know what's going on. Because like, that, that's kind of how I, I learned a lot of things. You know, um, I'm super self-taught in a lot of things. I just kind of threw myself in the deep end and figured out as I went. And I think this is a super valuable experience for anybody just to be able to learn by yourself, be self-reliant, and also be okay with not knowing, like, and, like, be okay with being uncomfortable a little. You know, get out of your comfort zone. I don't know if you have any parting nuggets of wisdom, Gabe. I agree with that. I think that the more you experience, the more you're going to want to experience. Every question that you answer, you're going to end up with three more things you're wondering about. Uh, I, th I feel like you never actually end up knowing like percentage wise any more about life because you just keep like the, yeah. what is possible in your mind just expands constantly uh, the more you experience the more you want to experience and that you know is possible and it's just always this pursuit i guess of just learning more and getting better and that's i mean that's the drive for me so uh, nerd, I, I guess you, you gotta <laughs> i do well okay just not comp sci anything but that <laughs> just um, not comp sci yeah <laughs> hey it's about the pursuit of knowledge you know uh, gaining skills and just doing things yeah. that you find interesting you know, like it's not about the end goal, Philip. It's about the it's podcast about the journey. along the way. It's about the journey, yeah. dude. It's always about the journey. That's true. Right. For sure. Okay, so I think with that, we're pretty much ready to close out. Does anybody else have any closing comments, thoughts, concerns, anything? I just want to say thank you guys for, you know, starting off this project and for not being afraid to even ask us who are, you know, seniors and president, vice president, not be intimidated of that, not let that oh, get we in are. the way we for you guys. Don't worry about that. We were. <laughs> no, you guys should not feel intimidated or scared. I was waiting. Yeah. I was like, I really want to be on the podcast. I want to say I was part of a podcast. So I'm yeah. really, I was now super happy. Well, I mean, happy. you guys were great guests, so maybe you can come on again. Yeah, we job. have so many people interested and in, and like lined up to do this, so it's gonna be totally. awesome. Yeah, oh, I feel honored. Wow. Right. <laughs> now you're one of the chosen few. <laughs> yeah. right. Well, thank you guys for coming then, and uh, I think it's been a great episode. Yeah, thanks for having us. Appreciate thank it. Thank you.